0: Telling, uh, and 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 you know, those are some very kind words he said about me when I told him not to not to talk me up too much, you know, because before you get up and speak, you never know what's going to happen. But tonight I've come to preach the gospel to you. It's nothing fancy, nothing you've never heard before. Maybe some things you've never heard before. But I've I've come to tell you just what he said to talk to you about the finished work of Jesus Christ and to use the Bible to do so. And I'm thankful to be gathered together with all of you tonight, and I thank you all who have invited me, Pastor, and bringing me out and giving me this privilege. And I've got my beautiful wife here with me, Rebecca, and she's uh, a good one. We got married about eight months ago now, and it's it's uh, uh, learning some life lessons, but, but the Lord has been in it, and... And been blessing us so far, and I praise Him for that. But if you have your Bibles tonight, uh, you can go ahead and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm not going to go I'm not going to jump right into this text tonight. I want to give a little bit of introduction, you could call it, before we do that. But I want to preach a message to you tonight really on the importance of the word of God. And I want to do a little bit of teaching of what the Bible says and what we're to do with the Bible. Uh, how many of you are born again believers, followers of Jesus Christ? And how many of you love the Lord God? Well, I love Him too, and and tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about His Word and why it's so important. God's Word, the Bible, are the words of God to us today. The Bible was concluded, everything that was written in the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, and a lot of people may ask us, well, how in the world can something that was written 2,000 years ago, and even more than that in the Old Testament, how, how can that relate to us today? How can the Word of God mean anything to me today 2,000 years later in the year 2022? Well, the only thing that makes the Word of God relative to us today is Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, the, the Bible is very important to us who are saved for many reasons, but and we can name off those reasons, but really the main reason... That the Bible is so important is because it has to do with our faith, and in our faith, you know, if that's how you got saved was just exhibiting and just trusting in Christ that He died for your sins. How many of you believe that in here? This is a teaching, so you can shout amen, you can raise your hand, you can you can respond when I ask you something. You can do anything you you, you want, or not anything. We know so, but. Uh, but we are, we are saved by faith. But something that a lot of people don't realize, that faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary doesn't stop right when we get saved. We live a life now that really is dependent upon that faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary every single day. And the Word of God, the reason that it's so important that we'll learn tonight is because that's what produces faith in us. And faith is so important. And that's how faith is how we operate in the kingdom of God. Really, I've heard some people say, if you can think about it like this. Faith is, the, is like the currency of heaven. And currency meaning money. It's how you buy, sell, and trade. But really, faith, it could really be compared best to oxygen, how we breathe. Because without faith, we can't interact with God in any way. We can be saved, we can be on our way to heaven, but we can live a life that's that's separated from God because we don't know how to please Him. That's why faith is so important because now that you're saved and you've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, don't you know that He has forgiven you of everything you've ever done and anything you did before you got saved, God has chosen to forget. God can do anything. We're not saying God can't remember what you did. But our God is faithful that the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, when He died for your sins and you accepted Him that blood washed away your sins and God has chosen to forget all of the wrongdoings that I have done, that you have done, and that anyone in the world has done that has called upon the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. He has forgiven them. We're forgiven. That means the things in our past, even the things that we did yesterday or the faults that we had even before service that we knew weren't right, the blood of Christ is so powerful that if we just ask God to forgive us, we are forgiven now. There's nothing that you or I need to do physically to gain the forgiveness of God. He has forgiven us based on what His Son Jesus did at Calvary. You see, the only thing that our salvation and our guarantee of going to heaven is dependent upon is the faithfulness of God. It's not dependent upon what we do. But the, but what God did through sending His only begotten Son, we've got some people here from John 3.16. How many of you know what that verse says? It talks about God giving His own Son for the entire world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Probably the most popular scripture in the Bible, and that's because of it's a simple gospel truth. You see, He gave His Son, and in doing so, there's nothing that you or I could ever do to mess up what He did through His Son, Jesus Christ. We must simply choose to believe, and we're saved. And every day now, we continue to choose to believe and we can live a life that's pleasing to God. And that's why faith is so important. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you know now that God has bought you from a life that was on your way and bought me from a life that was on my way to hell and now we're on our way to heaven? Any, anyone in the world that, that, that is born into, let me put it like this, because a lot of people have, they're, they, don't, they just don't realize what we're talking about when we say that Christ died for everyone. Why did He have to die for everyone? Because everyone in this sin, in this world, no matter how good they look on the outside, no, no matter how nice we dress or how good and how nice we make ourselves seem, everyone who's born into this world is born into into sin. We're all born into sin, and and how how do we justify saying that? How do we know that that's true? Because God created Adam and Eve. How many of you are familiar with that story? Adam and Eve, the very first story of the Bible. And Adam and Eve, God told them they could do anything except for one thing. They couldn't eat of this fruit on this tree. And because they disobeyed God, sin entered and everyone from their loins from then until now has been affected by that sin. So there is a need for salvation because when we're born, we're not just good people, we're born with corruption, but because Jesus Christ has died to forgive us and deliver us from that corruption, we can now be sent on our way to glory, on our way to heaven. That means anyone, anyone, you don't have to doubt tonight that if you have believed in Christ as your Savior, if you were to pass on right now and, and die, you would go and be in the presence of God forever. And that's a promise of eternal life. And I'm grateful for that. Hallelujah. How many of you are grateful for that? Amen. Praise the Lord. But faith, what we're talking about tonight for a minute, is impossible to please God without having faith. The Bible also tells us what pleases God is His Son. So it's not just faith in whatever. It's faith in an object that He's given us, His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what our faith is in. And and faith without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's true for those who are lost and get saved. And it's also true for us who are now saved and are trying to live for God. How many of you in here want to live for God? Have a desire to live a life pleasing to God? Well, let me tell you tonight, nothing that you or I can do in our physical flesh, in our own strength, and human effort and ability can please God. And let me let me tell you what I mean by that, because it might sound strange at first. Are you preacher? Are you telling me that God don't want me doing good deeds and don't want me opening the door for folk and giving to folk and being nice to people? That's not what I'm telling you. But if we try to live for God and we try to say, "Lord, look at all I've done this week. Don't I deserve something?" That's not how God's. That's not how our relationship with God works. It's all based on grace. By grace through faith. And what grace means is freely given. And if I have been freely given something, that means that I have not earned it by what I have done. And that's not only what our salvation is based upon, but that's what our daily life living now for God is based upon as well. We don't live for God and we don't earn things from God based upon what we do We live for God and live a life pleasing for Him, still based on that initial saving faith. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes and tells us, he's talking to a church here in the book of Colossians who have have missed the mark on a few things, and he says, As you have received Christ, so walk you in Him. The same is true for us today. Listen to that scripture one more time. As you have received Christ, so walk in Him. How, how did we receive Jesus? We believed that He was our Savior. We believed that He died for our sins. And we received Him and we're born again. And the Bible tells us there, As you received Him, now continue to walk in Him. Water baptism did not save us. How many of you have been water baptized in here? When we got saved, if you got water baptized, it was an outward sign to the world that, hey, I've been saved. But that didn't save us. Nothing that we can do in our physical, own human ability and strength can save us because it's a supernatural event that occurs. We have been baptized into the death of Christ, Paul says in Romans chapter 6. It's nothing that we have done. It's not by our own strength and ability, but we've been saved by grace through faith. And I said all that to say this. The Bible tells us the same way we got saved is the same way we live saved. That means today when we wake up and we read the Word of God or you hear a preacher telling you something or you hear a friend telling you, sister, brother, you ought to live like this. You ought to do this. you know in your mind that you can't do that by yourself. That's right. You need That's the help right. of God. Yeah. We can't if, if we want to be kind today, if we want to love others today, if we want to be nice and not blow up and get mad at somebody today, we can try our best. I remember when I was younger, I used to have a bad problem talking back to my parents. And I would want to stop doing that. And I would want to stop being so rude. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd tell myself, I'm going to be nice today. Well, only a few hours went by and there I was again, blowing up, getting mad, throwing a fit. And it's because I tried to do it in my own ability. Have you ever had something you told yourself, I'm not going to do that today. And you ended up doing it again. Or am I the only one that's faced that? That's me. That's me. I'll step to the line first. There's been so many things in my life that I wanted to get rid of, that I wanted to stop doing, that I wanted to stop being that way, and I told myself I've got to quit. I can't quit acting like this, but I failed and I failed and I failed again, but only when I recognized I can't do it only Christ can, and He's already done it through His death and Calvary. That's the answer. That's the answer for my sin. It's the answer for yours. It's the answer for the world. There's not a different answer for me and you. Don't you know that the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons? What does that mean? It means God doesn't play favorites. As humans, sometimes we can play favorites, but God, He doesn't play favorites. His one way for me to overcome sin is the same way He's given you to overcome sin. The same way He's given me... To live a pleasing life is no different than the way He's given somebody overseas in Egypt. It doesn't matter. We're over here in America. They can be across the the globe in another country. God works the same way. He works through His Son, Jesus, and all of those that will believe in Him. It's all dependent upon what you choose to do today with your faith. Faith is just believing. It's trusting. When I sat down in that pew earlier, I didn't even have to think about it. I just knew that that pew wouldn't break and I wouldn't fall out on the floor. When I pushed the button, when I, when I turned the key in my truck, I knew that it would start. That's faith. That's right. Just like it's the same thing with God. When I believe that what Christ did at Calvary not only paid for my sins and sent me on my way to heaven, but it also defeated the sin that I'm struggling yeah. with today. And I believe that I live for Him. That's what faith does. That's a biblical faith. A lot of people in the church world today—all there's—if you hadn't noticed, there's a church on every corner now, and they're all claiming to be of God. But what the—whether the, the, or not they're tr- they've truly been sent by God to preach and to teach. It's all dependent on one thing. Are they using His Word of God? Are they preaching at the Bible? But we're going to see some things tonight that shows us... There's ways that you can preach and there's ways that you can read your Bible that aren't... It's not really the correct way to do so, but the Bible has a clear message that it's trying to get across to us every time we pick it up and it's trying to point us back to Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. And we're not just going to say that tonight. We're going to look at it in the Bible and see that it's actually true. You see, as we've already talked about, the Word of God is so important to us who have chosen to live for God. Now, Jesus Christ said to His disciples that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That shows you how important the Word of God is that we need it to keep living for Him. Why is it so important? We've already talked about it. Because it brings faith. Romans 10 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we've already talked about how important faith is. And, and now we need to figure out, we need to figure out what the Bible says about the Word of God and faith. And it says here in Romans 10 17 that what produces faith, what allows faith to exist in our hearts, is God's word. That's what allows faith in us. Have you ever wondered what what did it take how, how, when you got saved? All you might have been able to tell somebody at first that asked you, "What happened to you? You're different. Did you?" You, what happened? And you tell them, well, I got saved. And they ask you, well, what do you mean? <clears throat> well, this is what the Bible says happened. It says that faith, that faith that saved you, it came by you hearing the Word. You heard somebody tell you how to get saved. Or you read the Bible, and, and, and you, you saw how the Bible told you that just to believe in Christ and what He did at Calvary. And the Bible produced faith in you because you saw the gospel in it. And that's exactly what. why the Word of God is so important is because that's what produces faith. And we know that faith is the most important thing in the kingdom of God. And what produces faith? The Word, as we've seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Well, then we must ask ourselves, how exactly is that faith produced by the Word. Let's go over it one more time because I, I, I like to keep things real simple for myself because when, when, when people start to, to, to get behind the pulpit and start trying to tell me all these things about the Word of God that really don't make sense, it's because they're not teaching how, how the Word of God relates to Christ and what He did. If we just simply preach the Word of God, how it's written, we wouldn't get confused we'd be able to understand it. And that's, that's why it's so important to be able to understand the Word The word is because that's what produces faith. Now this brings us to our chapter tonight that I ask you to turn to. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 15. How, how is that faith produced by the Word of God? <clears throat> We're going to read two verses tonight and then we're going to talk more about them. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. From a child you have known the holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. The very next verse, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction... For instruction in righteousness. The Word of God Paul writes here. Paul the Apostle Paul, how many of you know who that is? Paul. He wrote over half the New Testament. And most of them were letters that he sent to churches in that day. This letter is a letter that he sent to one of the people that he mentored in the faith. His name was Timothy. Paul called him a son in the faith. It wasn't his actual son but they had a relationship where Paul mentored him, and that's who he's writing to. And he tells Timothy, and how many of you know anything in the Bible, doesn't matter who it was written by or who it was written to, in whatever circumstance was going on, it's relative to us today. We can believe what the Bible says, and we can take the Bible as God's Word to us today. And he's writing here, and he tells tells Timothy that from the time that you were a child, the Scriptures, the Word of God, were able to teach you about salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question tonight—one that I've already asked: How does faith? How is faith produced by God's Word? Is it just us reading about how Samson? killed the lion or about how Moses split the Red Sea? Is that how faith is produced? Is it it just us reading about how the Israelites marched around the, the walls of Jericho and they came tumbling down? Or is it just us about reading a Bible story about David and Goliath? Is that how faith is produced? Let me, let me answer it very simply. When the Word of God, all of the Word of God points to Christ and what He did at Calvary, all of those stories that I just mentioned, they have what I like to call a gospel theme. The whole entire Bible is about the redemption story of mankind, about how man fell, and a Savior named Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would come and save man. Hallelujah. That's what the entire Bible is. I like to say, I like there, there there's a uh, <clears throat> a saying, and it's. Uh, There's a scarlet thread that runs through Genesis all the way to Revelation. And if you cut the Bible anywhere, it will bleed red. We know that's actually not going to happen. If you were to take a Bible and cut it, just pages would fold. Nothing would come out. But if you think about it in the spiritual sense... Everything written from the book of the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, it all talks about Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament, there's never one time where the name of Jesus is brought up in those stories. They didn't know what the Savior's name, that it would be Jesus. They, 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 That was never brought up, but all the stories and all all the sacrifices that they did to God, it all pointed to Jesus Christ. And what's the purpose of me telling you this? Because as we see Paul right here, he said that the Scriptures were able to bring you to salvation, that your faith would be in Jesus Christ. So. It's not just the Word of God that produces faith in me. It's the Word of God in its gospel context. and that, Because that's the entire Word of God. The Scriptures, as they, they are the Scriptures and they are power and they are life to me as they testify of Jesus Christ. They all testify of Jesus Christ. It's not just what we call the Scriptures and the proof of that is... Jesus, for a period of time, <clears throat> was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Is anybody familiar with that story? He was fasting and the devil came and told him that if you, you know Jesus, you could just turn those stones to bread, you wouldn't be hungry anymore. And he, the devil was quoting Scripture to Jesus. Even the devil can quote Scripture. That means any preacher just out there preaching and quoting Scripture, if they're not tying in to Jesus Christ and showing that these Scriptures are really about Jesus, and they're, if they're not preaching the Gospel, that, that, what are they doing? Any, anybody can quote Scriptures. A parrot, a, a bird could quote Scriptures if you said it to him. And a monkey could carry the Word of God around. That's right. So that's not—that's not, that's not yeah. all that it's about. Is just quoting things over and over, but it's about preaching the word of God in its righteous context. And what does that mean? And we're going to find out tonight. It's—it's it's the scriptures and their ability to be able to teach us about salvation. So that means that. The Word of God is of the utmost importance to us who want to serve God. We have to have the Word of God. Once again, Jesus said, All man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That shows us just how important His Word is. Because it produces faith. And it produces faith because it's all about Jesus And the reason that the only thing that can make faith exist, the faith of God in our hearts, is if we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and believe it. And that's what the whole entire Bible, that's what your Bible testifies of. That means every single story you read, Every single parable Jesus talked about, you don't have to be confused about what's really being said there, because in every single story and parable and command and teaching, doctrine, and everything in the Word of God, God is wanting to show you a greater knowledge and give you a greater understanding of Jesus Christ than what He did at Calvary, and and this 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 is. This tells us once again that faith doesn't just come by hearing random Scriptures, but it comes by the theme of the Scriptures. It comes by the Gospel that's in the Scriptures. It's who who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, and what He did at Calvary. How can we really know? You've heard me say it now probably ten times, but that the Scriptures, the Bible, our Word of God, I like to call it the Jesus book because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation. From the front cover to the back cover. So, you've heard me say it tonight, that the Word of God is all about Jesus. So, but how can we know that? How can we know that it's true? And, and, and think about this. This is a very... If the Word of God is so important to us, it's very important that we be able to understand what it's really talking about. It's very important that we don't think, well, it could be talking about this and could be talking about that. Because the Word of God is trying to tell us something, but as humans, you know, we mess up and we fail. Sometimes while reading God's Word, we can come to it and think, Well, this could be talking about me or this could be talking about that. That's why we need to be able to understand what the Bible's really talking about in every story, in every theme, and in every thought of Scripture. Because after all, it is God's Word. It's not just my Word. It's not just a book written by a a scholar or a teacher or a preacher. It's the Word of God. We've got to understand what it's talking about. It's that important. And to be able to do that, look at the very next verse there, verse 16 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Once again, Paul writes here and he says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. And what does that word mean, inspiration? Well, it means inspired. It means from God. God breathed. And the Bible here is telling us that all Scripture is given from God. This is what God has to say to His people. If you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible because God is speaking in these last days and He's doing it through His Word. He's doing it through His Bible and He's doing it through His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to be reading the Word of God because that's how faith rises And that's how faith is produced in and of our hearts. If you don't have a Bible, we need to get one tonight. We need to be reading that. And God will give you a desire to read that Word. He will produce a desire in your heart to read that Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of God's mouth. We need the Word. We need to be in that Word. We need to know what God is telling us. How many of you in here has ever felt like... God has been silent and quiet for a season of your life. Maybe you've asked God some questions and you've tried to talk to God, but you felt like He was being quiet. Well, let me tell you today, one of the promises of a, of the Bible, of having the Word of God, is knowing that God is never silent because you can pick up that Word and you can read what He's trying to tell you because all Scripture is given from God is what this... Verse just told us right now. So if God, if you, if you think God is being silent, you need to open up that Bible and look and see what He's trying to tell you. Because He's got many things He wants to show you and tell you. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's good for doctrine, reproof, and correction and instruction. This is what God is trying to give to His people, what's in His Word. And I want you to notice the last two words in this this verse, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Then it lists. It's, it's, It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. These last two words are the key right here. In righteousness. In righteousness. That means God's Scripture, His Word is inspired and is given to His people and can be used and available for many things and we need it in righteousness. How many of you know that when you said yes to Jesus, when you said yes to the Gospel and God saved your soul, you were born again and God imputed, He gave you His righteousness. He made you righteousness in His eyes. And now when God looks down at you, He sees somebody who is totally washed and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has made you righteous. That's right. Christ is the righteousness of God and we have been placed in Christ. And that's where God does everything that He desires and wants to do in us. God doesn't want us to stay the same as we were before we got saved. He wants to take us and transform us actually, the Bible says, into the image, into what His Son Jesus Christ looks like. He wants to turn us and make us into what His Son Jesus looks like. Has anybody in here ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus gave it. Sometimes it's called the Beatitudes. Jesus talks about all the things that we should be. Humble, meek, giving, all these things. And everything, He tells us everything that we should be. And guess what? We all should be those things. But once again, I'll repeat it like I said earlier. If we're trying to daily wake up and and trying to tell ourselves, well, today I'm going to be humble and today I'm going to be me. And we just try with our best ability to do it, we are going to fail because we are humans. But when we wake up each day and when throughout the day we reckon ourselves and tell ourselves, I believe that because of what Jesus Christ has done at Calvary, the Holy Spirit of God can work these traits and qualities in my heart and in my life. That means I don't have to try with all my might to love my neighbor as myself. Christ can do it through me. Because the Bible has commanded us to do many things but the Bible tells us that the commandments of God are not burdensome. 1 John chapter 5, that's what the Bible tells us in that chapter. That God's commands aren't a burden to us, His word is not a burden to us. But if we try to live by that, if we try to force ourselves to live the correct way without knowing that Jesus Christ has already paid for everything in our lives and that the, it's the Holy Spirit's job to do those things in us, if we try to live and force those things to look... If, listen, there's so many people today that have they have been so successful in building an outward image of holiness. Building an outward image of Christ. And when the world or when the church looks at them, they say, boy, He really looks like Jesus. But their heart can be so corrupt. That's because it's easy for us to build an image of, well, oh, I think they're a good person. Look at what they did. But it's not about what we do, and it's not about just looking like a good person. It's about being conformed and letting the Holy Spirit... Turn us into the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if anyone will follow me, they must deny themselves and take up my cross. That's what Jesus said. They must deny themselves, deny everything that they want, deny the life that they want, deny that thing that they know they shouldn't be doing and pick up the cross Pick up the life of Jesus Christ and follow after His will by faith in what He's done. That's what we're called to do. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. And and once again, here tonight, we see that the Word of God can do all those things in our life, but only as it's in righteousness. That's the key. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and what all these things will be added unto you. Everything that you know you should be, although that Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus said we should be doing, how we should be acting, what we shouldn't be doing. We don't have to focus on those things. We just focus on Christ and His righteousness, which is choosing to believe today that His death at Calvary has paid for everything I need. When we do that, He will add all the things to our life. You know, the Bible can't really be understood and the things of God really can't be understood unless we learn about how we've been crucified with Christ. How many of you have ever heard that before? Being crucified with Christ. You see, when you were saved and I was saved, we were crucified with Christ. We all know that we didn't go back in time 2,000 years ago and, and die on that old rugged cross with Christ. But in the mind of God, Romans chapter 6 tells us that the Holy Spirit, when we said yes and got saved, you were baptized into the death of Christ and crucified with Him. And because you've been crucified with Christ, all the promises of God, as the Bible says, can be yes and amen to you. Because through what He did, that all-sufficient sacrifice, you can have everything that the Word of God promises. We don't have to live by false promises, but we can live by God's promises which are yes and amen according yes, to the Bible. Yes. And the reason that we're told to seek God's righteousness takes us back to the original question. Why is the Word of God so important? Well, we answered that because it produces faith in our hearts. And we know that to live for God, we have to have faith because that's what pleases Him. So the reason we're told to seek the righteousness of God is because that's where His Word is found and we have to live by His Word. Proverbs 8 and 8 tells us that all the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. All the words in God's mouth are in righteousness. That reminds me of a Scripture I already quoted, that Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, this Scripture tells us that All of the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. So if we have to live by His Word and we have to seek His righteousness, this tells us that His words are found in righteousness. And that's exactly why we have to seek His righteousness, to find His Word that we have to live by, that we must live by. We've got to have that Word because Jesus said we live by it. So i want to explain this. What, what does this mean when God said all the words of His, His mouth, all of His words, His, and His word is found in righteousness? What does that mean? Well, I'm going to take you through a few scriptures, and you don't have to turn to these all, all of these, because I'm going to be quoting fairly quickly. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So we know that we must live by the Word of God, and we know that the Word of God is found in His righteousness, and now we just learned that God's righteousness is revealed in the Gospel. Do you remember earlier when I told you that it's not just the, the Scriptures, but it's the Scriptures as they relate to Christ and what He did at Calvary. The Gospel. That's where this is leading us to. That truth. Because if His words are in righteousness and righteousness is revealed in the Gospel, well, what is the Gospel? We've got to find out because we have to live by those words. The, the Bible tells us there that the Gospel is the power of God. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 tells us that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. So if the gospel is the power of God and the preaching of the cross is the power of God, what does that mean? That means both of them are the same thing, that the gospel is the preaching of Christ crucified. And when I say cross, I'm not talking about the physical wooden beam that Christ died on. I'm talking about what He did there in His death. Because the death of Jesus, you might be asking yourself, what is He talking about Christ's death and the cross so much for? I thought that's just what saved me. But the reality is, what Jesus did at Calvary, that's not... It didn't just save you. Now... God wants you to live by that. He wants faith to continually be in what saved you. Colossians two six: As you have received Christ, so walk you in Him. That means the life which you now live. Galatians chapter two twenty says, "I am crucified with Christ." There's that life, that crucified life again. It says, "I am crucified with life with Christ." Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ which lives in me. It's Christ that lives in us. If our faith and our belief right now, every single day is in Christ and what He did at Calvary. We put our faith in Christ when we get saved. And if, and, and, and if we believe that when we're saved. But today, all the problems that you face and everything that you go through on a daily basis can only be overcome through your faith and your dependence on the blood of Jesus Christ. That's, that's where God produces life in you. If you're depressed in this place tonight, that's where God will produce joy in your heart. Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 12, that Jesus endured and died for the joy that was set before Him. The joy of God is the fact that He got to die for your sin. And that is our strength. When you're depressed, call upon the name of Jesus and believe that His blood is enough to take me out of this pit and to put me back up to where I should be today when you're going through it, when you're you're facing struggles in this life, when you're facing a bondage or anything that's holding you back from living for God, you've got to believe that Jesus defeated everything that would try to hold you back in Calvary. It's not just about salvation from sin. And the penalty of sin, which would have sent us to a place that would be, we would be separated from God for all eternity. That's not all that the cross means to you, but it's also salvation every single day from the power of sin and the grips of sin that like to grab a hold of us and try to pull us back to our old life. It tries to make us and tries to trick us and tell us. Look who you were before. You're going to be that way again. But the blood of Jesus Christ says, no, you're saved and you're redeemed and you're on your way to heaven. And we don't just have to wait to see Jesus to be like Him, but today by faith in what saved us, Christ in the cross... We can be freed from the power of sin in our life and instead of living for sin, we can live for God by his power instead of trying to live for him by our own power and our own strength. And that's what really the whole the whole point of this message tonight has been trying to teach you that that's why the Word of God is so important to you and I as a follower of Christ. It's because it's what continues to produce faith in our hearts. I'll quote it again, Romans 10:17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Remember, it's impossible to please God without faith. So how do we continue to have faith? Well, we've got to continue to see the Word of God as it relates to Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. Turn with me, if you have your Bible, to our last passage of Scripture tonight. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 17. I want to tell you a little bit about this chapter and what's going on here before we read this. After Jesus died... He rose again three days later. Amen? We know that to be the gospel truth. He didn't just die. If He would have stayed in that grave, we wouldn't be here today. We couldn't be saved. But He died, and we died with Him, and He left that sin in the grave. Don't you understand that tonight? That's how we can live free from the power of sin is because when He died, He buried your sin with Him, and He came out of that grave victorious. And that's, that's where we're at tonight in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has just died, and, and this is talking about His resurrection, that, that there was women that followed Christ. Christ had followers. He had male followers and female followers. And the first people to see that Jesus was not in the tomb was uh, certain followers of His that were certain women of His that followed Him, they went to the tomb, they saw that it was empty and that Jesus was no longer there, and they ran back to His twelve disciples and said, eleven disciples then, and said, Jesus is not in the tomb. We don't know where He is. And they didn't believe Him. They had unbelief in their hearts. They doubt filled their hearts. That's where we're at tonight reading. That everyone... that, that Or not... Those who followed Christ, they had unbelief that He rose again. Even though Jesus told His followers over and over that I'm going to die and be raised the third day, and He used it in symbolism when He said the temple will be destroyed and risen again, but Jesus told His followers and they still had unbelief. But what does this have to do with what we're talking about tonight, the Word of God? and why it's important to understand what it's talking about. What does this have to do with it? Well, we're about to see Jesus show up to two men who were walking on a road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus. It was a town called Emmaus, and these two men were walking to it. And, And we're going to see tonight that in this day, when Jesus came to the earth, His people at that time, the Jewish people, they weren't really looking for somebody to save to die for them and save them from their sin. They were looking for somebody to come set them free and, and set up an earthly kingdom at that time and be a king to them. They didn't really understand the scripture. That's what happened. And this is where we can find ourselves if we don't really understand the scripture. The, the scripture in confusion. That's where we can find ourselves. And these people, they were looking for a king. But Christ wanted to do so much more than just be a king on earth. He wanted to be an eternal king for them by saving them, dying for them, and setting them free from hell and their sin. And they didn't understand that at the time. But the turning point here is on the road to Emmaus, there were two men who were confused. They didn't know what was going on. They thought Jesus was supposed to live here forever, but He had died now they were confused. And that's where we're at here in verse 17. Jesus is talking to them and He said unto them, What manner of communications are these? And all that really means is He's saying, What are y'all talking about? And he said, what, what, really, what, what are you talking about as you walk and you're sad? He saw that these men were sad because Christ had died and now his tomb was empty. And right before this, he, he, they, they were saying all that Christ was supposed to do. And let's read in verse 18. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, uh, basically he said, where are you from? Are you not from here Basically, the I'll paraphrase these next few verses. Jesus, these these men, Jesus walked up on them and they were sad, and he said, Why are you sad? And they said, You must not be around, you must not be from around here. You would know why we were sad because Jesus, our Savior, He was supposed to be our Savior, and He was crucified. You see, they didn't know at that time that He was crucified to save their souls. Because they misunderstood the Scriptures. They misunderstood what they had been hearing all their lives. And He told them, if we'll skip down to verse 25, this is after He told them, they told Jesus, "Yeah, we don't, we don't know what's going on, we're so confused. Jesus said unto them, verse 25, O fools, and slow apart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And, and, and what, what what's the point in all this? What, what's the point in me bringing us here to Luke 24 and reading? Well, I want to give you an example. of These were the people who followed Jesus when He was on earth. These are some of His followers who, who walked around with Him and they still didn't understand They didn't understand what was going on. They they were wondering why Christ died. And and they didn't even know that this was Jesus talking to them because the Bible says Jesus shielded His face that they wouldn't know it was Him. But the example that I'm trying to give you tonight is this. These men and women walked with Jesus on earth and they still didn't understand that the Old Testament and the Scripture that they had was teaching of His death. So me and you today, thousands of years later, that should show us just how serious it is to understand the Scriptures. Because back then, they walked with Him and they still didn't understand, oh, He's here to die for our sins. But it's so important that we understand that we're not lost in confusion. Skip down with me, if you would, to verse 44. And these will be our last three verses tonight. Jesus said in verse 44, now He's talking to His disciples. He said, These are the words which I speak unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, All that that Jesus said about the law, the prophets, the Psalms, what Jesus is basically saying is all the Word of God that they had at that time. It was about me. Verse 45, Then He opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. This is where I wanted to bring us to tonight, to this verse. This is what Jesus told His followers, the Bible says, that opened their understanding and gave them the ability to understand the Scriptures. Verse 46, He said unto them, It is written, it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. What does that mean? Jesus? Said and He unlocked their understanding of the Scriptures. He gave them the ability to understand the Word of God by telling them that it was all about how Jesus had to come and die for them and be risen the third day. If you want to understand your Bibles today, and we must understand the Bible if we want to live for God. We must be able to live by what the Word tells us. If we want to understand the written Word, we've got to understand that it's all about the living Word. The Bible tells us John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Fourteen verses later it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among them. That's talking about Jesus. So your Bibles tonight, that you have the Word of God, it is, a, it is so important that you learn to, to understand what the Bible is really trying to tell you. But there's going to be so many preachers that you hear in your life that are telling you, this well, this passage of Scripture is about this, and this story is about this. But I want to leave you with one thing. If, if you didn't get anything out of this tonight, I hope that you'll take this to heart. Your Bible, the Word of God, is all about Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross. Every story told in the Old Testament some way, shape, or form points to Jesus as the Redeemer. I'm not talking about the every single word. I'm not talking about the word "and" or the word "or" or the word "but" or 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 "hello" or random words. And I'm not talking about the scriptures that say and they traveled 24 miles. I'm talking about the scriptures, every passage that says something to you that God is trying to. Get across to your heart. They all testify of Jesus and what He's done at Calvary. And the only way that they can be obeyed and applied is by you believing in your heart that Christ has already paid for this to be a reality in my heart. I don't have to live by the way I feel now. I can live by what Christ has done for me. He's already won the battle that I'm facing right now. Christ has already won that battle. And that is what the Word is trying to teach us. That's why faith is important. Because it pleases God. And I want to be found pleasing God. How many of you in here want to live a life pleasing to the one who saved me? He is the one who saved us. He's the one who wants to continue to change us now. Praise the Lord. You can stand with me in this place if you would tonight. I know this is just a, a teaching tonight, but I never want to uh, miss an opportunity for the Lord to be able to move among His people and to do what He wants to do. So I'm going to pray tonight, but before I do, I want to ask everyone here a question. I want to ask everybody, and if you could, bow, you could close your eyes and bow your heads if you would as I ask this question. How many of you in here would say that you don't really feel like you've ever gotten saved? You don't know if you're maybe you don't know if you're saved. Maybe you have a little bit of unbelief and you're unsure whether or not if you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you tonight, would you just slip up your hand? I see those hands. I see those hands. If that's you, I'd ask that you just slip up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. Nothing's going to happen tonight. But if you're unsure tonight, if you have a little bit of unbelief, if the rapture were to happen, as soon as we conclude this service, do you know that you'd go to heaven? If you're unsure, you don't have to be anymore after tonight. That's not just the gimmick that we say that preachers repeat from behind the pulpit but it's the truth, it's the gospel. Jesus, you don't have to wait to be saved until next church service. You can be saved right here and right now by believing that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that He died for your sins, that He took your place, that we deserved to die for our sins, but the Son of God instead took it upon Himself and died for our sins. If you believe that, you're saved tonight. If you believe that, you're born again and on your way to heaven. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. It might be a prayer that you've already heard. It might even be a prayer that you've already prayed. And before we pray it, I want you to know that there's no power in saying and repeating words. There's no power in our words. But there's power in the blood of Jesus. So if you say the, I'd ask that everyone in this place would repeat the words after me and believe them with your heart. It's believing that saves, not the saying of words. But pray with me tonight. Father, Father, I come to you tonight. tonight. I'm sorry for all my sins. sins. I know what I have done is sin. I know that I'm in need of a Savior. savior. And I know that I can't save myself. myself. Lord, tonight I believe believe that Your Son, Jesus Christ, Christ died for my sins. sins. I believe He lived lived a perfect life so He could lay down His life for me. I believe that He died and rose again. I believe, and rose again. I, believe I believe that sin did not hold Him in the grave. But He rose again with salvation. Again with salvation. And right now, in you, right now, based upon my faith in You, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm bought with the price. I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.